It's funny, we have this one client that's maybe like 5,000 employees. They're like this international, huge conglomerate organization, and it takes long for them to make decisions because of that. But then I look at Invest, and we're just like this small team, and you just feel like we're still very clunky, and it takes us long to get things moving in a not a response to a fire kind of way. Back in 2006, we had this great idea of starting a digital marketing agency, Invesp. We had no idea what our journey would look like and how our company would grow. In a turn of events, as if we weren't busy enough, a couple of years ago, we launched our SaaS company, FigPi. Two companies run by a husband-wife team and stretched thin. Our life is crazier than ever. Join us every week on Boot Trapped, where we talk about running our two companies, the ups, the downs, and the lessons we learn along the way. Another week, another episode of Boot Trapped. Last two weeks felt like we've been very trapped. Ayat, how was your week? It's Friday. Oh, gosh. We've unintentionally changed the recording time to Friday. Maybe that's more fitting, but how was your week, Ayat? Yeah, actually, it makes a little bit more sense to do it on Fridays. Uh, midweek, there's so much going on anyway. My week has been okay. I think a lot of evaluation of everything that we're doing sometimes. And I had mentioned last week that we were onboarding somebody new and we kind of tried a new process for onboarding, which seems like it didn't work well. It seemed like it was a little bit more overwhelming than it should be. And the thing is that sometimes we're in a place where our hires are immediately having to take on work, which is really not ideal. It really isn't. I don't know how to avoid that. And I hope we'll get to a place where we don't have to do that. But they shouldn't be on client projects for the first two weeks. They should just be shadowing and trying to learn. And it's like a lot more relaxed in those first couple of weeks. But that's not really been the case. I know that you think there's a different strategy that could be approached. But I really think it's because there's this mix between trying to onboard and train and immediately putting them on projects. You said the new process, it didn't quite work. Talk to us about the new process, what didn't work. So the new onboarding process, we tried to really lay out day by day what that person and that individual is going to be doing. I think there was some missing parts in terms of, well, what are the next steps and expectations? So that's one area. The other area was that it just was overwhelming. And again, it could be an individual thing. It could be the person that we onboarded was pretty overwhelmed. And I blame them being overwhelmed on two things. A is, again, they have to take on projects immediately. And B is maybe the way that the process wasn't defined well enough in terms of, okay, I've taught you this. Now you have to do X, Y, Z. You're shadowing this person for this thing. Now you have to do this. This person that's shadowing needs to be doing A, B, C, D with them. <laughs> there are still some holes within the process. Yeah, it's interesting because you hire somebody who is senior. So they're very familiar with conversion rate optimization. They're very familiar with usability. But what they're not familiar with is the invest process. This is how we actually run a project. And I think that's where it becomes overwhelming. Because I think back to my development days, it was typical for a senior engineer, this start with a company and you jump on a project right away. But you've dealt with the same thing. There's no processes that the work that you've been doing. Yeah, okay, this is a different company, different clients, but oh, I've, I've done this before. So you have your own process that you follow. There might be some specifics. Hey, what's the bug recording software that you're using over here? Yeah, what's the project management? But that's like an hour conversation. It's, okay, I'm, I'm up to the races. 
versus with investment, there's a lot unique, very specific process to, to invest. I don't know how I feel about that statement because I do think that there are a lot of commonalities there should be, right, between CRO companies. Like everybody's really, the bulk of it is you're doing research, you're identifying problems, you're creating based on that. Everybody uses some semblance of a project management software. You know what I'm saying? So there are those key things that are the same, like a prioritization. That's not a new thing for somebody who's well-versed in CRO. Identifying problems in Google Analytics, that's not a unique thing to invest. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you where it's unique. I've identified problems. I might be jotting them down in a Google Doc or a Word document. And now, no, actually, there is a presentation that goes around this and taking the screenshots and putting all of that together. I've done some heat map analysis. And yeah, I'm just capturing a couple of notes and we're done. We're a lot more meticulous, I think, in some of those details. And I think the fact that you said, yeah, here's a client. You're going to be launching not a typical marketing software. You work on a project and you launch the project. Well, then, I mean, if it's a fast project, you might say, oh, this project is going to get done in a month. That's really super fast. Uh, a normal project, maybe six months. And again, it depends on the complexity of the project. I always think of Invesp as we actually launch a project per week. And that just means that you move so much faster. So maybe there's complexity. So maybe that's it. I think that's, like I said, putting them on clients immediately. I think that's the biggest thing. But from a process perspective, because even some of the things that you were just mentioning, like how we do it and our meticulousness and whatnot, a lot of those weren't even introduced yet. Just because, oh, again, gosh. we have not even like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what's I think for me trying to take a step back and being like, okay, why is this so much more difficult and so complicated and very overwhelming? What I'm trying to do is just evaluate it because I'm not sure. I thought when we put the thing together, I was like, okay, this looks good. This will help ease this new person in. But when I see that the person is, I'm hanging in there, I'm staying alive. I'm like, oh my God, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because um, when we interviewed a few people, one of the things, a couple of the potential CROs said, hey, for the first two weeks, I need to shadow somebody just to understand. We try, but I guess that was not very successful. So, okay, onboarding process. Yeah, that's another thing, Khaled, by the way. The shadowing thing is not very possible. Mm. And the reason why is because we have a team that's spread out and this, you have resources in the US, depending on their time zone, it makes that even more difficult. I think that's also a very big challenge is that there's like an overlap with the team abroad and the other CROs with the US-based people, like maybe a couple of hours, if you're lucky, maybe you'll get three. It's really little. And I think it became very apparent this week. I was just like, oh, wow, like that, this is going to be hard. Okay. That's always the wonderful thing that we deal with in this podcast, talk about our hard problems and how to deal with them. I think like for this week, it was just maybe the onboarding, the trying to figure out like, how do you balance some of these new clients and the training? And then also just trying to create better systems. But then also from my side, I found myself having to do stuff and client work and things that I haven't done in a while, which I don't really like or enjoy, or even sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit out of the loop on, oh, I don't even know how to do this one thing anymore because I haven't done it in so long. So that wasn't a really enjoyable part, but I guess it's part of being in a small company, just having to always jump back in. Yeah, it's fascinating because I had to do some stuff for the first time this week. 
and and maybe the fact that oh yeah, I'm doing it, but really I'm not on an actual project. You know, there's that. But okay, yeah, we've had deliverables, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll just take this on and I'll just finish it really quickly. And I'm like, oh, we need to fix this. We need to fix that. Yeah, this template is not good. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just handling such a small portion. So I can see how it can be a little bit overwhelming, and sometimes. I think our team is just running so fast that they don't step back to think through that, oh, we can modify things here and this will make our life easier just because of the processes have been established for so long that, and I think actually this is one of the conversations you've had with me where you're like, hey, the team is not doing this. I have it in our process, but the way we have structured it eight years ago, doesn't work anymore. So we need to think through it and see how we can fix it. Yeah, that's a synopsis of my week. How about your week? Hopefully you had a, a more fruitful week. I don't know if I would call it fruitful. It's just one of those weeks that the investment had picked by. I literally spent maybe 50% of my time this week working with our CFO and our bookkeeper and just sorting through a few thousand transactions, trying to understand, okay, like making sure that everything's classified correctly. We had decided we could not file back in March, which means that our tax day is upcoming in the next couple of weeks. Lots of stress with that. Just searching through the books, looking through some of the entries. It is just funny because I see this one entry and it's like for $3,000 paid out and with a name next to it. And I'm like, you never hired this person. What is this? Where did that money go back? And then this is maybe like the story of this week. Because the bookkeeper is like, oh, yeah, it's, it's here. And guess who authorized it? You authorized it. And I'm like, oh, man, I did. And that was back in July of last year. So I dig through it. I'm like, okay, I don't recall why on earth I authorized $3,000. It's not a small amount, correct? Because if it's a small amount, I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe. But $3,000, I'm like, okay, I need to remember. And I had to dig through. And then I found out that it was actually a referral fee. It just, I found the message about it on LinkedIn. My message is on LinkedIn. I don't think, oh, now oh I remember. How did you make the connection? What made you inspired to look at LinkedIn? Because... Oh, you looked for the person, the name. No, I mean, here's the thing. So it's person XYZ, but we transferred the money because he didn't have a bank account. He's moving countries at that point in time. So he suggested somebody else. So we send the money to a different bank account. And then that money came back and I'm like, hey, we need to send it to your name. We can't be doing this. So it took a little bit of digging until I found it. And I'm like, oh, yes, guys, I remember. Just put a note next to it. And of course, because we had also changed our bookkeeping company, a good bookkeeper will be asking me those questions every month, correct? It's like, hey, where's this money? So I'd remember not a year or 13, 14 months later. I was like, hey, what happened here? having to dig through that. And then our payroll, we were using one system, switched to a different system. So trying to provide the reporting on that, that was painful. But yeah, I was working with our CFO until last night, until about 8 p.m., sending him messages the night before until about 10.30, sorting through all of that. Now, on a good note, more Shopify integration with ThickPy. So that was super exciting. So most A-B testing platforms out there, you launch an experiment. So, oh, I have a design here. Is it better than my existing design? And it will tell you, oh, design A got that many visitors, that many conversions done. But Shopify in particular, especially if you're a well-established Shopify site, you're probably selling online, you're selling through Facebook, you're selling through Instagram, you have upsells. So there's just so many different ways that you can sell. And if you're not careful, and most unfortunately, e-commerce operations are not careful, 
you end up with multiple what we call conversion points where you capture orders and tracking all of that accurately can be challenging. So Shopify had rolled out a new solution and I think we were one of the first companies to test it out. And I'm super excited because we went from there's a mismatch between what Shopify reports and what FigPi reports. Shopify shows you that you have a thousand orders. FigPi shows you that you have 850 orders. What happened to those missing 150 orders? And we're just concerned. It's like, we can't figure this out. So with the new solution, we're matching almost to the dots. And I'm like, oh my God, that was super exciting because that basically Tuesday, that's what I spent. Tuesday is my meeting free day. And it ends up being Shopify and FigPi and like trying to figure out that integration, too many meetings. But the minute it got sorted out, I was just super, super exciting. And then finally, starting to think about team expansion. Now, just thinking, because I think my process is just to think for a little while and just look at options. So I've had dinner with a couple of friends who came out of town, went downtown Chicago, had dinner with them. And it's interesting. They have an interesting model because they do lots of the backend support offshore. Now, we've hired people internationally for many years, but they have a very interesting system where they're cooperating actually with one of the governments in the Middle East and Jordan specifically, and the amount of support that they're getting. The government actually provides location for people and internet and, and laptops for people to work. And I'm like, oh, that's just really a nice support system. And they actually train people, by the way, imagine this, oh, if you're a graduate and you're gonna be working in the US, we're gonna train you on how to speak to US clients. So you're trained on English etiquettes, all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but we've been getting overwhelmed in a couple of areas when it comes to FigPi, especially client success and customer support, because more and more companies are signing up for FigPi. And I'm like, oh, we need to bring somebody for customer support and like also the onboarding and the sales. Not making a decision about that, I'll do it. Our product owner is doing it as well. But if things work out, we might be bringing more team members, I think, next month. So it should be interesting. Excellent. Ayat, any big lessons from the week? It's funny, we have this one client that's maybe like 5,000 employees. They're like this international, huge conglomerate organization, and it takes long for them to make decisions because of that. But then I look at Invesp, and we're just like this small team, and you just feel like we're still very clunky, and it takes us long to get things moving in a not a response to a fire kind of way. So I think there's just work there. And I know that we've been working with our coach a little bit, our business coach, and talking about how to make it not about, like, I'm such a central part of the team with getting feedback and responses and thoughts on this and thoughts on that. And it just, it creates this, like, bottleneck effect and this culture that is not very healthy. So just trying to figure out ways to improve that. I, I, but that doesn't sound like a big lesson. That's more like, it's an area that I have to focus on. Oh, yeah, the big lesson it. is that the big lesson is that we aren't a big company, so we shouldn't operate like a big company. But we do. I don't know. Like it's just it's a matter of fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. Not yeah, a lesson. It's not, ain't no lesson there. <laughs> <laughs> the lesson is I don't know. I don't have a lesson. Okay, this is what I put in big lessons, but I don't have a lesson. The lesson is also you're only truly as good as your people. I know that we've probably mentioned that lesson a lot, but it always comes to surfaces when we're in situations where you need your team to step up. I find it fascinating, by the way, with the new hires. 
at Invesp because we've taken the approach for many years where CRO was new, and I think still continues to be new. And there are many people who say that they are conversion rate optimization specialists. You interview them and I'm like, okay, man, I'm like, I know you are a senior or a CRO lead, but really you come to our team, you're going to be junior. <laughs> we might be at associates. And people are always shocked. And I'm like, yeah, because just the amount of experimentation, the insights, the velocity that we do is not anything that you are used to. And now I feel the industry is maturing more and more. So we've decided, you know what, we're going to hire more senior people. They're not at the same level of seniority that we expect. Like a senior person from Invest is a whole other level. But at the same time, they're not associate, correct? So they've done experience. So I think we've gotten a major rebuild in our CRO and our design capabilities. So it's going to be fascinating to see just the impact that our clients will see. So those are my lessons. Please go and share your big lessons. <laughs> For me, it's a bad trait that I have. I always, whenever we hire somebody, I'm rooting for them. I really want it to work out because we invest a lot in the hiring process. So we do hire slow for the most part. You have a lengthy process. We've introduced more steps. So usually whenever we're interviewing somebody, do the initial interview, the screening interview, and then we give them a project. And then we do a lengthy interview and then we do reference checks. So it's, oh God, man, this is like a very involved process trying to minimize bad hires. You might hire somebody and you're like, oh man, they're just not a good fit. And it's painful when you come to that realization. So I'm usually, unfortunately, slow on letting go of people. But I think sometimes it's just hire slow, keep that up, and maybe even think more about the hiring process and refine it even further, but fire fast. And you hear that all the time. And maybe it's an ego thing that, oh, I've made a mistake. No, just put your ego aside and say, hey, we all make bad decisions sometimes let's recover quickly from them so that's continues to be or that is my biggest lesson for, for the week maybe this is by the way one of our shorter podcasts just because there's just a lot going on and we seem to be friends and repeat any big plans for next week at we actually are onboarding somebody else so more onboarding that'll be interesting and then i think i have to continue to play a role of a cro a little bit until the team is really up and running. I found that a little bit challenging, but I think that, I mean, that's just the reality of what the next couple of weeks are gonna look like for me. So those are my plans really for next week. I'm also preparing for my first conference in September. Yeah, how about you, Harit? Oh, for next week. So I'll continue thinking about the new hires. I'm already, remember we talked about that friend that I had dinner with. So we're gonna be looking, maybe interviewing some people. So that's going to be a big thing. We've spent the last eight months finishing major upgrades to the A-B testing platform and FigPy. So since it contains different platforms, I think by the end of next week, or actually not next week, the week after, we'll be done with A-B testing with lots of the rollouts. It's just absolutely impressive. By the way, the only platform that provides as much data at this point is Optimizely, which is the Rolls-Royce of A-B testing. And FigPy is going to start providing that much insights. But then we're going to start looking at our heat maps and social recording tools. So we're starting to plan with the teams, okay, what are some of the major upgrades? So I'm excited about some of those because I think it's going to take us another notch up. Planning that, sitting with the team. Then there's something in the back of my head and it's there. It's nagging me and I'm just worried but I think I'm just going to tell the team to deal with it. We've made the switch to AWS three or four years ago, and I want to switch back 
our monthly bill with AWS is just crazy. Now, there are many benefits with AWS. Cost is not one of them. And we've optimized the heck out of AWS. Very well optimized, but it's just getting more and more expensive as more and more companies are jumping on FigPi. So I need to start that conversation. I know I'd like to mention that our lead developer and our architect and our product owner, they all looked at me, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, sorry guys. I think we have to have that conversation. Now, probably not gonna happen until 2024, but that's fine. It will be a big project. We started the planning and the discussions for that. A move out of the cloud, basically. It's a move out of the cloud to traditional hosting, hosted servers, and we're done. Our friends at Basecamp, 37Signals, they moved out of the cloud into self-hosted solution. And they were been pushing for that, and they've been talking about it. It's funny, for a little while. I mentioned, like, they're our friends. Really, they're not our friends, but they're friends of our friends, <laughs> to be more exact. They're like, we don't know you guys. No, you've heard of us, but really... But they've made the move and the cost savings that they've had were tremendous. I think their CTO there mentioned that when it's all said and done, they switched from something that was costing them thousands of dollars to when he like calculated the cost is less than a thousand dollars, 500 bucks a month. So I'm like, okay, yeah, we're spending close to, yeah, I don't want to, over a hundred thousand with AWS. And you just see where this is heading and I'm like, I'm sure AWS is happy. But I'm not happy. We'll start that conversation. Or we're going to let Black Friday come, Cyber Monday. We'll manage with what we have. But then that's a conversation that we'll have next year. Awesome. So until next time, everyone, I hope that you have a better week next week. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we would love for you to leave us a review. We are now going back very regularly with Bootstrap. And until next time. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode from Bootstrapped. If you learned something new from this podcast or got some useful insights, we would really appreciate it if you leave us a review. Until next time.